855-450-3733. That's the old number. 855-450-3733. It's Mark. Bradley. And Allie. That's right. We've got the we got the B team in here tonight. <laughs> Ian is, I don't know, off on some adventure or another. Normally he uh he is in the first chair on Friday evenings, but uh, you know, we've got some stories here here for you. Um we get a lot of our stories from freetalklive.com. There you can go and upload stories or blog posts or videos or whatever you want. People will vote them up, vote them down. You can do the same. It's right at freetalklive.com. And, uh, you know, you are the website, just like you're the show. So give us a call at 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about whatever you want. But, Allie, apparently there's a very disturbing story out of Florida. There is. When I read the story, I thought, we're going to have to talk about this because it's just too insane and it could happen to you. Uh, if you're a woman, I guess. If you're a man, it's not likely. Cops strip search mom, forcibly pull tampon out of her for maybe rolling through stop sign. So last July... Where's we, this from? This is from Florida. No, no, not the uh, the, the geographic location. Oh, sorry, the, the website? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's from News New Times blog. Okay. Uh, it Broward. looks very official, doesn't it? I mean, it's got uh, the... You know, it's got a big... Head header there, the new, Broward Palm Beach New Broward, Times. There yeah. you go, Broward Palm Beach. Exactly, it's a blog entry. Uh, so last July, Leela Tarantino claims that she was pulled over by an officer with the Citrus County Sheriff's Department. Uh, apparently, she's fine. Citrus County? This isn't anywhere near uh, Citrus. Yeah, uh, this isn't anywhere near Broward or Palm Beach. Well, I mean, it's near compared to New Hampshire, but it's not near compared to... <laughs> well, with these kind the- of stories, everyone's picking them up, so I guess it yeah. doesn't really matter if it's close to you. But uh, So she's filing a lawsuit. It says, in the suit, Tarantino says that she came to a full stop and should ne- had have never been pulled over in the first place. A passing cop pulled a U-turn, flashed the lights, and rolled up behind her. Tarantino claims that the cop immediately drew his weapon, pulled her from the car, and refused to explain why he pulled her over. Tarantino's two young children watched Brad, all of this unfold from inside her car. As a police, former police officer, what does the and, and, and you're running for sheriff now, um, and hope so. Hopefully, a police officer again. What does that sound like to you? And I mean, I almost I've read the story myself, and I'm got to admit a certain level of incredul- incredulity. Um, I mean, this I'm very skeptical right from the beginning because this just sounds uh, so insane that it just seems like. This isn't quite possible. But then again, the the stories that you guys cover are on a regular basis. Many of them seem like they aren't possible. So I guess nothing new really surprises me. It, it just seems like this allegation, just from what I've heard so far, it seems like it would be pretty easy to disprove if it wasn't true. How Have so? you been to Florida? I love Florida. <laughs> I don't think that that's proof. Go ahead. Uh, we- I think going to Florida and dealing with cops there is proof that this kind of stuff probably does happen. Okay. So what? Um, what? How would one disprove this? Well, I mean, if if this was done in public, and uh, you know, if an officer pulled someone over and pointed their gun at them for the mere act of blowing through a stop sign, which right there uh, could subject the officer to imprisonment for ten years for you know a, a completely unconstitutional seizure, um, I you know. I'm very skeptical of the story. I, I I would like to hear more. I think a lot of officers pull their guns before they probably should, and they, I don't. I've never heard of one going to prison for ten years for doing it. Right, but um, well, there are situations where um, where police could 
ultimately overreact to the, to a situation and have the overreaction just be unreasonable. And there are situations where uh, doing so would be criminal. And, you know, I'm curious, um, without hear, having heard more of the story, uh, what did the officer know? Did, was there a report of something in the area? Um, and, I mean, I'd love to see their response to this. But, cause right, because who knows? Like, if, if I was a cop and I was a bad cop, and, uh, you know, I really just wanted to pull my weapon out on someone. I would wait for it to not be a mom with kids who roll through the stop sign. I would find better excuses to pull my weapon out. So it seems kind of, I could see what you're saying. Like if the, those cops that are out there, you know, they can't be so stupid as to just, you know, even bad cops for anything like this. Even bad cops don't want to go to prison. And I mean, just what what you know, again, you know, there's three sides to every story, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to hear the rest of this to see what other things she's saying. Before well, we go on, okay. um, let, let's go to the, the phones here. I've got a Pizza Hut driver calling from uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Pizza Hut driver? Yeah, I'm still a little shaky. Um, I'd like to just kind of get it off my chest, get it in the air, let some things be known. Um, these are not the government's roads. They're not the public's roads. These are my roads. Okay, 30 hours a week. So ordered. For uh, every week for five years, up and down. I know the rules, I know the laws, and I know the roads. Okay, when there's three lanes, you do not sit next to two other people on either side of you going the exact same speed. It's <laughs> unbelievable and unacceptable. Are you just complaining about worse, bad driving? It, you know, I'm complaining about bad driving, but it gets worse. But I'm going to get the story out, and then I'm almost to a delivery. You know what we should do is we should sort of create this social <laughs> meme where when people see the Pizza Hut light on the top of a car, like they do with other emergency vehicles, they should pull, pull to the side. <laughs> well, have you ever seen? So they can get past. Yes. Have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Do you yeah, remember, yeah there, sure. There's a part where where Bill Murray has the groundhog in his lap, and, and the groundhog's driving, and he's like, "Don't drive angry," and that's what I want to say to this the caller. Pizza might be late. <laughs> like, we got to hurry, guys. Yeah. Look, okay, so this situation, though, this is even worse, what happened. This guy's on a motorcycle with his kid on the back. I'm coming up on him as he's, he's sitting there going the exact same speed as the two guys on either side of him. And, I, and what does he do to try to show me that I'm going too slow? He slams on his brake, nearly oh using God. his child as a human shield on a motorcycle <laughs> against my aluminum car. And then he has the audacity to, like, follow me back to my store, you know, and I'm sitting there just shaking because, you know, he, he's yelling at me and, and I'm just, I have to keep my tail between my legs and just go, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But this, some of a, you know what I mean? There you know ought to be a law. It's ridiculous. Well, if we can help you, if we can help you feel better. I guess I'm going to feel good. That's right, folks. Pull over for the Pizza Hut drivers. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You didn't tell him thank him. You didn't thank him for his service, Mark. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for your service, specifically the meat lovers. Service. Those are his roads. That's right. Ellie, <laughs> <laughs> go on with uh, okay. oh, other crazy people. So, lady, she <laughs> just she claims that she stopped at the stop sign. Cop pulls her over. She's got her kids in the car. He's pulled her gun on her, and uh, she gets you know he hasn't explained why he's pulled her over. The cop then placed Tarantino in the back of the squad car, which, where she allegedly sat for two hours. When back now, I of, thought it was on the back of the the, the the tail of the car. That's what I read in my story here. Uh, maybe I maybe I got it wrong. Back of the squad car is what the story says. Placed in the back. Uh, maybe I read on the back. Okay. Oh, maybe. It, nope, yeah, nope, it says you're in right. the back. You said in know. the back. Uh, you know, I I read it. I read what I read. Um, right. The 
It's interesting. There's also a lawsuit here. You can see the pieces of paper. I would not have allowed this thing to be read on the air if there hadn't have been some kind of citation. Right. Some and official the, official paperwork. There is a piece of official paperwork. <laughs> that, when, should, that should clear you with the FCC. Yeah. To, <laughs> that, that makes it allowed to talk about. When backup arrived, Tarantino was strip searched on the side of the road where passing motorists. This makes no sense. Passing motorists could see everything. Then, in a gruesome twist, a female officer, quote, forcibly removed, unquote, a tampon from Tarantino. Presumably, the cops were looking for drugs, but the lawsuit notes that drug sniffing, that a drug sniffing dog was never called in and cops never found any contraband or anything illegal. The lawsuit does not name the cops involved, but notes that there were five male officers and one female officer. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that is pretty much it. I'm... Okay, so... They released her with a citation. Oh. Released her. They strip-searched her and then released her. They Well, okay. Was a, a tampon? Assu- I guess it wasn't... They can't strip-search without an arrest, right? Assuming that what she said is true... Um, and, and I'm credulous. That, that's a big assumption. Uh, effectively, what would have happened is she would have been sexually assaulted on the side of the road. Um, I mean, without splitting hairs, I mean, that's what happened. But again, uh, this just sounds so out of... Uh, so crazy that... Uh, there's got to be something else to it. Like, I would love to see the response filed by the police to s- see what they have to say about it. You know, they, they do say it's uh, Germany or Florida for the crazy things. I find it offensive that for some reason the government thinks that I'm any more okay with a girl molesting me than with a guy molesting me. Which would you prefer? I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it depends on if it's a disgusting guy or girl, that's worse, but it doesn't matter the gender. Free Talk Live. If you've listened to Free Talk Live for any length of time, you're familiar with Bradley Jardis. Brad is the former police officer that now embraces the ideas of liberty, and now he's running for sheriff of Coas County in New Hampshire. Sheriff is a very important position from which a liberty-oriented individual can protect many rights of the populace. Any U.S. citizen can donate to his campaign up to $1,000. He's hoping to raise as much money as possible for his campaign, and his chances are quite good. He's running in Coas County, and Ron Paul actually carried Coas. I hope you'll trust me when I say that we know a few other good reasons that we believe Brad can win. Come on, join Ian and me in donating to Brad's campaign and getting a liberty-loving individual in this very important seat. If Brad gets this seat, it'll be the biggest win for the liberty movement in New Hampshire and maybe anywhere. Give what you can at bradforsheriff.com. Bradforsheriff.com. This was paid for by friends of Bradley Jardis, Bradley Jardis, fiscal agent. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the Sable Toll Free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you're looking for gold or silver, go to gold.freetalklive.com. There we have all kinds of coins for you that you can uh, pick from. You can do comparison shopping because uh, you want to make sure you get the best price on whatever investment you might buy, whether you're getting gold for as an investment or as a barter currency in case things go south or um, a hedge against inflation, whatever the reason is that you might want some uh, gold and silver, probably, you know, gold.freetalklive.com, real good place to get it. And, you know, 
experts are saying that gold and silver are moving upward. They're, uh, they're, they're nice and low right now, but it looks like they're headed upward. That's what people say. I tend to believe them. I have gold and silver myself. It's up to you what you want to do. Gold.freetalklive.com. It's Mark with you. Bradley. And Allie. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. Our uh, first cheer host, Ian, is off on some adventure. Let's go to straight to the phones here. we got uh, Mike calling from Alabama. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Howdy. <laughs> Hi. My, my question is for Brad. Hey, uh, I hope that you are successful with your uh, run for sheriff. My question, Brad, is uh, if you come in and you become sheriff, the deputies that are on that department are going to be used to a certain thing, a certain way of things, uh, you know, a way, a certain way of doing things. What are you going to do different to promote the ideas of liberty, and how receptive do you think the deputies will be to any any shakeup in the uh, sheriff's department? Well, um, thank you very much for your uh, encouragement. Um, the one thing I would say is that a lot of people don't understand the um, how the Office of High Sheriff uh, interacts with an actual sheriff's department. And um, the sheriff's department itself, largely uh, the operations are mandated by state law and uh, judicial orders. So uh, a high sheriff uh, in New Hampshire is uh, effectively a representative of the people to oversee their law enforcement agency uh, and to make sure it's run professionally. Uh, The only thing that that I would do um, at first to try to um, try to promote the ideas of liberty. And you can see this at my uh, campaign page at www.bradforsheriff.com is I would issue an order allowing all the deputies and everybody that works in the department to speak freely about me and uh, what I do, even if it's negative, because I think uh, accountability to the public is extremely important. And I think a lot of people who work in government are, um, a little bit timid to to speak out about things that they think could disrupt their livelihood. Um, I'm not that type of person, and you know, I believe that the Constitution means what it says. So uh, that's probably the biggest thing I would do. And whether or not whether or not people who work in law enforcement agree with my particular uh, politics uh, really is irrelevant because I would just, you know, try to uh, convince people. And if people can't be convinced, then I would just respect that we could disagree. I understand. Well said. I do. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I do know that there's a difference in the behavior between the corporate city cops and uh, the sheriff. Now, one last question. Um, I've heard before that the Constitution only recognizes the sheriff as the only legitimate law enforcement. Is there any truth to that? Well, I think there's uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that when it comes to uh, interacting with uh, the state in local and county governments. Uh, I think that um, a lot of people um, sort of put faith in the ability of a county sheriff to uh, stop a lot of federal depredations. And I I don't think, um, I don't think that would be allowed by the federal courts or the federal government itself. But I think that the, uh, the office of high sheriff could be uh, extremely effective at um, influencing the state offices that, through um you know through good intentions of of public employees uh the office of sheriff could stop state officers uh and uh local officers from assisting in doing things that the federal government wants done uh largely at the behest of the united nations hmm. okay i'm going to check out your website good luck with that thanks for taking my call oh thank you very much thanks for the call it Mike. is a nice website 
Yeah, it, it's actually it's a I'm very nice website. You know, I mean, a lot of uh, people who are running for relatively small positions. By that, I mean not statewide positions. Uh, they don't put a lot of money and time into their website, but yours uh, yours looks great. Now, um, you know, why did you pick uh, sheriff as uh, the position to run for, Brad? Well, um, my particular interest is uh, protecting people from um, f- from the use of force being used on them in all possible situations where uh, where it can be legally accomplished. Um, and that's that there's a reason why there's one um, law enforcement agency per county that uh, literally is only answerable to the people at the ballot box. And um, that office is, you know, it's 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 stationary, but the temporary holder of it could wield it in such a way that could enhance freedom. Um, one example that I, I'd like to give is as I've been going out campaigning and meeting a lot of constituents, there's a lot of really, uh, really nice people who just want to be able to, you know, have a vegetable garden and sell things to, to people who are passing by. I mean, the the economy up where uh, up where I live now in uh, Coas County, New Hampshire, is absolutely devastated. And there's people who just want to grow food for themselves and for their family. And the local government make a few bucks selling whatever their their bounty is. Yeah, in the process. And, yeah, and this you know this stuff is more healthy than what you can find at the grocery store. But the smart people whom wield the powers of government at the uh, federal and uh, international level where, you know, they've been able to enact laws that gives them immense influence over local activities and um, using the office of high sheriff, the county, you know, the county's chief law enforcement position, the, the office can prioritize what's going to happen. So one of the first things that I'm going to order is no law enforcement agency is going to uh, state, local, um, or county is going to interfere with anyone growing vegetables to feed their family or to sell on the side of the road. I mean, that's Is just, that really happening in yeah. Coles County? I mean, this is this is not a particularly uh, metropolitan county in New Hampshire. And- yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've been meeting some of the nicest people who are just getting tormented by... Uh, by um, bureaucrats who are trying to stop them from having food to feed their family and to give uh, yep. to sell, and it's- this is happening all across the United States. I mean, you'll you'll find in you know deed restricted communities or or just sort of uh, residential areas. I think that's probably what I want to say. Residential areas, uh, people want to put gardens in their front yard because that's where the sun is. I mean, you know, some houses are just faced the wrong way to have gardens in the backyard, and. You know, they're running into all kinds of problems with uh, government bureaucrats in that way. But it's hard for me to imagine that happening at Coas County. It's, it's happening all over Coas County. And I don't want for any uh, government official who's listening, this isn't a slight on the people who are enforcing these things. It's my opinion in large part that the people who are enforcing these things don't realize um, exactly what they're doing and at, at the behest of who. Uh, you know, there's a lot of... It's very easy to say, oh, you know, this particular ordinance or regulation, you know, it's it's to protect people, you know, but no, it's not protecting people. It's hurting people. Dangerous vegetables. It's hurting good people who just want, you know, help making money to support their family. And quite frankly, um, if I win this election, it's not going to happen anymore. I kind of feel like if somebody's job it is to go around and hassle people about growing vegetables, that maybe... They, you know, maybe we need to, to uh, you know, reallocate that uh, labor in the county to something more productive. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a. It seems like a bad job to me. They should be growing vegetables. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Do you think it's a valid role of government to keep people from growing veggies? Eight five five four five zero free. Free talk live. Yeah. 
I can truthfully say that VerbalSurgery.com, best daggum podcast I've ever learned to change my neurology right now. Feeling good, feeling better about myself right now. VerbalSurgery.com gets inside of my brain, massages those sweet old brain lobes inside of my head. Feeling better right now. Even now I feel better and I want to go and listen to some VerbalSurgery.com right now. Go do it, baby. Feeling good. SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Speaking of SACL CAI, if you have a company and you need to try something new in the area of accounts receivable, SACL CAI can do that for you. They're a company that handles collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. They do things a bit differently. They make sure that your customers are treated with respect. They know that not only do you need to collect your money, but you need to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. SACL CAI. It's Mark with you. And Bradley. And Allie. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. Brad, I guess it's it's cop hour here on Free Talk Live. I've got another story, and this one's kind of a strange one. It comes from uh, KIROTV.com. And it says, it reflects that Officers, let's see, um, the, the story here is apparently a, uh, the police use a taser on a deaf crime victim. Um, she, I guess, called and said, I'm deaf. I can't hear. And if they're out front knocking on the door or whatever, I can't. Are they going to the front or back? Where are the police at? So she had called the police. Uh, she was deaf, and she was talking to the, the you know, 911 person there. The dispatch says they, uh, they want you to go outside to the, the the front door and so she goes oh they're here okay i'm on my way to go meet them i'm going right now and uh, white that's the woman she showed up uh, to um to, to investigate the uh the team uh, in in front of the door in her basement apartment it's uh it's the only one flight up the stairs uh, a 30 second trip to her what happened next defies common sense especially for a woman with no criminal record no arrests and just one minor driving violation on her record Within seconds of running outside to meet the police, officers, Officer Koskovich pulled his taser and fired a two-barbed electric wire into uh, White's ribs and stomach. All I'm doing is waving my arms in the air, and the next thing I know, I'm on the ground and uh, then handcuffed. It was almost like I blacked out. I was so dizzy and disoriented. So, I mean, this lady apparently is uh, calling um, uh, the, you know, the police because somebody's hitting a, f- a friend of hers, um, and she... I guess, goes out to meet the police and the police taser her. How does this kind of thing happen? Well, uh, firstly, I will say that contrary to what a lot of people uh, I know think about tasers, I think tasers are an excellent tool for the police if used correctly. This lady does not have holes in her. Uh, Okay, exactly. (laughs) Um, I have been in um, quite a few situations where I've been in fights and tasers have saved my butt. I think so. The problems are it's not the taser; it's it's how it's used. And in this situation, it very well could be that there was the officers didn't understand that this woman was deaf. Perhaps they, you know, they tried to they tried to explain something to her, 
and her reaction by flailing her arms around. Maybe they just thought she was she was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a simple solution to that would be flagging in whatever dispatch system they have, flagging that address as being one that has a deaf resident. So that way, the police, when they're headed there, they can be armed with that information. Um, well, opposed, supposedly, she, she certainly told the dispatch, according to the recording here, that uh, you know that that she told dispatch that she was uh, that she was deaf. Apparently, dispatch. I I'm just going to assume that dispatch didn't tell the police. Did, uh, did she call with a TTY machine? Um, as I understand that, uh, you know, she was talking through someone, perhaps. Well, it certainly sounds like something was lost in the communication, uh, because I I would be willing to bet if the police were aware of that. It could have been different. Again, there's three sides to every story, so I don't want to say I'm right about this, but it just seems like it could have been mistake. She could have been mistaken for just someone who's just off their rocker, where in turn she had a communication problem. I'm wondering now. Tasers are available to the public, right? Yeah. What if one interpreted somebody with a badge and a gun as being off their rocker and uh, tased them? Ac- you know, accidentally. They like would, it's a mistake. I think that if anyone raised the taser to a police officer, they'd get shot. Yeah. So I just wonder, you know, whether there's there's two classes of citizens here, you know, one of them that, uh, you know, when you make a mistake, it's it's all cool. And another one, when you make a mistake, you're dead. Well, initiating force uh, against the police uh, typically will result in being dead, especially with something like the taser that looks like a gun. Well, well, the taser incapacitates you for five seconds. And if you do that to a police officer, then you have access to their firearm and police officers are trained at all times to protect their firearms so i i would strongly suggest not tasering the police what i I concur yeah (laughs) when you're you know training to become a police officer is there just some sort of like maybe unspoken assumption that we're the good guys and they're the bad guys because i don't know why police officers would assume that they're the only ones with access to these tools that are used to keep people it's it's like one of these things where it's like well we're right usually when we use these tools to incapacitate people, but if someone was to try to do that to us, obviously their ass is going down. Well, I mean, you're, you're striking at the, uh, the very philosophy of uh, the concept of the state, so it's not, it's not that very... Uh, I just wonder how explicit it is when you're becoming a cop, because like, you know, I've heard people say they're like the spear of aggression. Like if the state is considered aggression, then they have the spear of it. They're the ones that go in there first. Well, the police are trained that if if someone is using that type of force on you, you are justified in using deadly force back to defend your life. So understanding that position of of how police officers are trained... And yeah, I mean, most at the police academy, most of the, the recruits that I went there with were all people who wanted to do the do the right thing. Unfortunately, a lot of people just don't use critical thinking and look into the reasons why they're doing certain things other than protecting people. And uh, that sort of that combined with what we talked about earlier about people being afraid to speak out and talk about the uh, talk about things that they see just because they're afraid of being retaliated against. Right. Cause um, when you say the right thing, like to someone, to me, the right thing, I think of someone courageous, who's willing to stick up despite what the authorities are saying, but to others, they see the right thing is what mommy would want or what teacher would want or what police officer wants and and they see it as whoever it is that's in charge of them whoever they they ask questions to whatever they want is the right thing to do right and that's a big problem with society there needs to be more people questioning these things and uh 
using critical thought rather than just blind obedience to uh, to authority. And and once the people who are in authority stop using blind obedience to authority, they're going to start figuring out that a lot of the things that they're doing aren't actively serving and protecting people. They're hurting people at the behest of people with a lot of money. You know, um, having worked closely with law enforcement for a, a good portion of my life, I you know I know that the the the, the, the cops on the ground they you know they have all kinds of complaints about the competence of uh, administrations and uh, you know the government uh, the lar- the government at large and those kind of things and it's it's interesting how those complaints often don't result in a, you know like a a tempering of how they go about enforcing the the rules like they're given a job to do and they do the job but they complain about it at the same time often yeah it's you know you can find a lot of police officers questioning things privately but when it comes to doing it publicly uh, a lot- that's another thing is people in the government are really not given the opportunity for free speech which is a huge problem. And, I mean, you were a law enforcement officer for, what, nine years, um, and you basically were run out for believing that people have the right to uh, you know, own their bodies. Is that right? Well, it, it didn't start that way. Uh, I mean, I at first was like, the drug war is completely insane, not because, not because I think people should be able to inject heroin freely, but it's insane because the drug war itself causes more crime than it prevents. It causes people's lives to be ruined. And it also, you know, if you get down to the roots of the drug war, it's basically corporate corruption of the government. The There's U.S. Marines right now in Afghanistan protecting the opium fields, and that opium comes back to the United States. And if the drug war was actually about stopping you know, drug use, wouldn't we eliminate that over there? And, and you know, take that, what I just told you, and add that to the fact that the private prison industry lobbies heavily to keep these laws the way they are. And, you know, it sort of comes together as, look, these guys just want to make money, and it's it's not a policy based on science and evidence. 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live's Uh, Live Friday Night Edition, 855-450-3733. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden. You want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too. Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealEstate.com Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been uh, discussing, well, it looks like some um, police state abuses here. But uh, you can call in, change the subject if that's what you wish to do, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. Bradley. And Allie. So, Brad, um, you know, being our resident uh, police officer here, <laughs> former police officer, he now running for sheriff, 
you know, I wonder what they're, – they're obviously – obviously if you give somebody uh, power, the uh, the power to arrest, uh, the, the power of uh, – what, what do they call it? Limited uh, qualified immunity? Is that what police officers have? Is- yes. Poli- uh, government officials exercising discretionary job functions are immune from lawsuit even for violating rights so long as – their actions are not either malicious or incompetent, or if that right isn't specifically clear, uh, laid out. So aren't all their actions malicious and incompetent if they're violating rights? Um, not no, by the law. Not states. by the law. No. I see. So um, what does one do to handle these situations? I've often advocated um, the, you know, just getting rid of this qualified immunity situation so that people are responsible for their own actions uh, from a, I mean, like the way I am, like the way we all are. Well, the, the doctrine of qualified immunity actually has a very good purpose behind it, and it's to protect people like your, your average police officer who just graduates the academy and is you know is out there trying to do the right thing it is it's designed to protect uh the, the people acting in good faith trying to do the job the right way from being sued for just writing somebody a ticket or, or something trivial like that uh unfortunately it gets uh when you have immunity and a monopoly at the same time uh that creates situations where uh actions that don't deserve immunity not you know innocent mistakes, uh, but malicious violations of rights get mixed in together, and when that happens, uh, people go by the wayside. So, and, and I mean, when you, when you say a monopoly, what you're essentially saying is the police departments don't really allow other uh, organizations to do their work for them. Right. There's only one organization that has the authority to initiate force, and that is the state. Right. And uh, the state, you know, you, you can hire security guards to keep your place safe and all that kind of thing. But those security guards have all the laws that, uh, you know, the average citizen has, um, you know, and they're they're you know, their security guards are, you know, they're they're subject to whatever lawsuits might be out there, that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, do you have any do you have any solutions for perhaps making uh you know, dealing with some of these uh, these problems because I just don't. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a greater solution. I'm not talking as the, the sheriff because that's going to be a difficult thing to implement. I mean, you're just one man in a in an office. But I, <laughs> I mean, as a as a greater solution, this is an area where you worked, and I, I just kind of I wonder. Well, I, I've made lots of mistakes where I've accidentally, by the letter of the law, violated somebody's rights, and you know, if if every minute thing and there are minute things i mean but then again there are major things and i'm talking about minute things where i've i've pulled somebody over many times where i'm looking for uh i'm looking for a car that possibly was stolen and if i pull over the wrong car on accident while i'm trying to do the right thing should i be subjected to a uh you know tens of thousands of dollars of a lawsuit and this is why i took a lot of heat for this but this is why when we were when i hosted with stephanie murphy the other night we were talking about a situation it's been a couple of months right has it been that long uh, something like that okay i'll take your word for just it. want to make sure <laughs> um, i i defended the police for the way they responded to a bank robber now uh, a bank robbery they detained something like i think it was 10, 20 cars or something like that i know ali wants to say something i'm, about I'm like this. i don't even know why you're bringing this up because i'm just going to take stephanie's side <laughs> oh, oh, oh Okay, but 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 here's a solution to that. So a bunch of people who didn't do anything wrong were temporarily detained in, a, in an aggressive way, but there was somebody who legitimately robbed a bank. So why don't we change the laws so that that person has to pay restitution to the person who was innocently uh, 
to the people who didn't do anything wrong and were detained. So there's more accountability to the actual criminal. And as long as the police are doing the right thing, uh, even even if it, you know, law enforcement is messy. I mean, it's not, can't be cut and dry. And uh, it sounds like what you're saying, though, this is what it's going to sound like and what kind of sounds like to me, but I know you would never say this, but it sounds like you're saying, call me out, call me out. It sounds like what you're saying is, all right, so, you know, the police can't afford to, uh, like, sometimes they're going to have to violate someone's rights because there's some people, there's some real criminals out there. So sometimes, you know, they're going to drop a few eggs and some people's rights can get violated. But as long as they at least catch the criminals, that's all that really matters. Well, that's not what I'm, I disagree. I'm okay. saying that. Uh, actions that a- actually violate someone's rights, if if those actions were able to be held held to account somewhere, then inherently more um, more accountability would exist. If 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 even if the the mechanism is there where the the person who committed the crime caused a police response, and I read I've read through these articles. I mean, there was a person who legitimately robbed a bank, and I always preface that this with I don't think it's really possible to steal from the banks because the banks have been stealing from the American public forever, but, uh, through, through inflation, but bank robbery is generally considered a, uh, one of the big felonies. I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I don't blame the people that try to start up little banks. Like, cause yeah, I mean the foundations of the currency are really messed up and the government is responsible for basically setting up the laws for what determines like what you're allowed to call a currency and use as currency. But I don't blame the banks for providing a place to store money, even if it even if they are subject to the stupid laws. I don't I don't get mad at the guy that owns the bank. I don't get mad at the people at the bank or the company or the shareholders. I get mad at the government for having a messed up currency, which the banks have to deal with because these same people who run the banks, I'm sure they would love to use whatever the chosen currency is, but the government's forcing us to choose this currency. Well, as I sit here and play with your outlawed magnets, um, <laughs> I... These are the buckyballs that have been outlawed by the federal government because uh, they're just too dangerous. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, I, as I look at them, I just want to eat them, but... Uh, <laughs> so, that would be the problem, the reason they're outlawed. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know that. Uh, so in, instead, of, uh, instead of changing everything around as far as how the accountability system or the lack of accountability system works, why don't we apply the same principle to everyday people and eliminate the uh, the ignorance of a law is no excuse until ignorance of constitutional rights is not an excuse is the official policy when dealing with accountability. So, I mean, how can, you know, if, if a new law gets passed right now by the federal government, by the U.S. Congress, as we're sitting here, uh, the second Which is it's, not unlikely. No, it's not unlikely, and it's not unlikely that none of the congressmen have read that uh, read the bills either. Right, uh, chances are good they haven't read them. They they don't know what's in them. They're just going to vote on them. Right, Google the Read the Bills Act, and uh, you'll see that Congress the c- Congress doesn't have to read a- any bills that they pass. They just typically you know stamp. Yep, okay, new law. So as we're sitting here, a new law gets passed outlawing something that I'm doing, like playing with these fun magnets, and that I can go to prison for five years. I would be subject to going to prison five years immediately. But on the flip side, if I was a government official who uh, made a mistake, but I just didn't know, you know, it was a simple mistake, uh, the standard is completely different. And I think that is unfair. 
I would agree. I mean, you know, <laughs> this is the thing is I kind of feel like, uh, you know, government officials have instead of becoming our being our servants, they've become our masters. I've seen plenty of evidence to support that. And I'm, I'm not sure that it was ever anything different, that maybe this public servant terminology was just some way of uh, making uh, the, the job sound good. But, you know, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, when and you're running for sheriff up in uh, in, in Coas County, do you have any plans for like that uh, first week that you get you're in office? Um, I, I've it's it's a lot to think about, and I've been talking, I've been meeting so many people uh, and talking to them about the things that need to be improved in their life as far as their interactions with the government, and the the office of sheriff is a really good position to be in to sort of bridge the gap between constituents and the uh, the state because technically the uh, an elected high sheriff is not part of the government the elected high sheriff is part of the people who in, is temporary oversight oversight temporarily chosen but the, the sheriff has all the authority of the government mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's a very very unique office it's the governing of the government supposedly yeah and and i think a lot of liberty can be gained by simply requiring the state to follow its own rules yeah it's interesting how a lot of the most corruptible offices are like the ones where you could as a libertarian you could really go in there and make some change but it also is something where you know, if you had someone in there who didn't care about principles, they could really ruin a whole town. Joe, well, Joe Arpaio, excuse me, Sheriff Arpaio is certainly controversial in that regard. 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about what you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Roger Schlesinger, the Mortgage Minute Guy. I'm a mortgage lender throughout all 50 states in this great country of ours. The majority of people in the United States love the 30-year fix. We're the only country that actually has a 30-year fix. And you pay a very big price to get a low monthly payment. If you were to refinance into a $350,000 30-year fix in the low threes, it would take you seven years to pay it down from $350,000 to $300,000. If instead you refinance into a 15-year fix in the high twos, it would only take you two and a half years to pay it down. And in seven years, you would pay all the way down from 350000 to 200000 You can't afford this kind of treatment. You must get into a better loan, and we'll show you how. Call us at 866-288-0088, 866-288-0088, or go to MortgageMinuteGuy.com. Until next time, I'm Roger Schlesinger, the Mortgage Minute Guy. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That is the SACL toll-free call-in line here. On Free Talk Live, we are live, and you are listening to Mark, Bradley, and Allie. 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. But uh, Free Talk Live is about your phone calls. So let's go to Kyle in California. Kyle, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to uh, call and kind of give Mark a hard time about, uh, well, I got two things I want to talk about. I know you had a good discussion uh, on your uh, Edgington post not too long ago about uh, voting. So I want to talk about that, too. But first, I want to talk about Roger Pion. Okay. And how you were uh, kind of trying to 
say he was responsible for the damage done by the state to the people for the uh, money's loss that's going to be required to pay for these cruisers. By and the state to the people. That... Okay. What's that? By the state to the people. I'm repeating what you said. Oh, okay. So, so he, t- he took a tractor. To that, like, he took a tractor and drove it over be... nine cars, right? But it's, it's not this, his fault that the state is aggressing against the people. That's just how it is. I mean, you can't. That's slave-on-slave blamership, I guess I would call it. I don't, I mean, I, the way I see it is uh, Pion had lots of options on how he dealt with uh, the aggressions from the state and uh, what happened to him as he's arrested for marijuana, and I find that, that, and I find that to be an aggression. I think that Pion owns his, uh, owns his body and should be able to uh, com- combust any plant material he wishes and then uh, inhale the, the smoke thereof, banana peels, marijuana plants, or uh, tomatoes, whatever he wants to do. Um, and I would agree with you in that way. But he's responsible for his actions. Once he's aggressed upon, does not turn it into a situation where he becomes a hurricane or a force of nature. He's still uh, responsible for his actions after afterwards. No, I understand that. But, again, you kept going back to the point that the state was going to hold this taxpayer accountable. Well, I mean, the state's going to hold the taxpayer sure. accountable for whatever they feel like doing. And so the fact that he destroyed these vehicles of essentially aggression and did what he could to disarm the state. I don't, you know, I'm kind of torn on, you know, the, the, the whole property destruction thing. But this, again, I've heard several points made that kind of turned me on this. Like, well, you know, maybe this is, um, would be the only type of legitimate uh, use of force against the state I could almost agree with. Because, again, it's like he took the... The, the gun and dismantled it. Yeah, it's. I, I get where you're coming from, and I mean, I, I have a certain level of uh, of uh, you know. There's a little bit of me that's cheering in the inside to see uh, the, the the destroyed police cars and that kind of thing. But I just don't think it. I think it's a bad solution, and I don't want to cheer for bad solutions. Secondarily, if you, I, and Richard Pion owned uh, a car together, and um, you know, so it was his car in the sense that we all owned it together, and then he decides to run a tractor over it, then he's violated the cons- the, the contract that you, I, and he had regarding the car, because we probably yeah, bought that car to fallacy. use. Well, There's I mean, no contract. It's a fallacy in the fact that they they don't ask you if you want to get in. They just take your money whether or not you want to or not, and you live on my piece of dirt, and so I own whatever I say I own, and don't blame Roger Peon for, or Pion or whatever, however it's pronounced, for uh backlash against the, the the aggressive nature it's a bad analogy because i i using like a contract that mark was making because using you know that example suggests that somehow public property is regarded as our property but we're not allowed to sell things on public property unless we get a license we're not allowed to well that, that's the point i'm trying to make here right. though ali is is that uh, public property to some extent is all of our property, but it's designated, it's designated for certain use. So my wife and I have a car. If she decides that she wants to go out and bash that car uh, with a baseball bat, it's even though we don't have a piece of paper that said no baseball bat bashing on the car, we have a, a you know a, a goal in mind as far as that car goes. And then when she changes that goal and decides she wants to do something differently and then says, hey, it's my car – well, at least partially, then I get to do what I want but with I just, it. What about my portion? There's nothing about public property. Like, I don't even like that term. I want to get, you know, without, 
I want people. To I'm philosophically know what I'm against it about. too, but that doesn't mean you drive tractors over other cars. But it's not even like it's not even that I'm just philosophically against it. It's that there's nothing about it that makes there's it's not public property. It's not property for all of us. Property is something that you can use how you want. That's not true. That you can give away when you not want. Not true. How my wife can't bash my car with a baseball bat. Did I not make that clear? So therefore, that property isn't really hers, is it? She legally can. If well, if if she does, there's going to be big problems. There's going to be repercussions. Like like what? Well, well like think- a divorce. Okay. Well, I mean that that doesn't change the fact that when you're married to someone, the property is half hers. Uh, you know, well, but, that's that a little sticky. It, she's here. she's uh, she's violating, in my opinion, my property rights to that. Somebody in that town. Lots of people believe that those are their police cars to exactly. be driven by their police. Exactly. And that's that's where I think people need to come at this is from a pragmatic standpoint, whether or not you agree with the, the concept of public property, whether or not you think that the state is a legitimate organization. The fact is it exists and a great deal of people regard public property as belonging to them because in theory it does so if you attack things that their hard-earned money goes to pay for people are going to get upset and when they're upset they're not going to listen to you no well right and like so you say you own the car you're using this example of like a legitimate contract you could have with your wife about sharing the property of the car then i mean that's not to say that if you uh you know if she went out and put a bunch of miles on it or something, you know, that's like in a way kind of damaging the vehicle or it makes it less useful in the future because it has all these miles on it. So I think that there's like an understood, like, you know, maybe unspoken contract right. that, you, that she's not going to damage contract. the car because you both are invested in it and because she cares about you. But if it's like, you know, if it really is, uh, like, that's the thing is that you can't have a bunch of people owning a bunch of property when it's just like, um, there's no contract involved. I agree. Philosophically, it's a mess. Is yeah, it, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, the people blame illegal immigrants for the welfare system. It's not the immigrants, it's the welfare system. It's not the, the fact that the, they have to pay taxes to cover the cars. It's the tax system. So, I mean, there's a pragmatic approach, but when you do that, you kind of throw aside the, the ideals when, when you say that he's responsible for it because you're sacrificing the philosophy of it and the truth of it for the pragmatism, which is damaging, I feel. Well, I don't, I don't think it is, because I, this, the, the, the lot I'd like to rebut here is that really f- humans don't live by philosophy. Humans are uh, primates that uh, used to live in groups, and the fact is if you are a, perceived as a threat, you are a bad other primate from another place. Well, philosophy so is if you're threatening the, their property to their mind, they don't care what your philosophy is. You need... You need to communicate in a way that people are going to hear you. There was a, a guy up here in New Hampshire named Ed Brown who... Uh, Brown, tax guy. Yeah, he had a standoff with the federal government, with the U.S. Marshals. And, uh, you know, in the end, the public support ultimately came down for what the federal government was doing because this guy was hanging explosives in his trees and he was coming off all violent. And people don't like that. It's it, it Whether or not you... I don't like that even. Yeah, I mean, whether or not... How you feel about the tax laws or whether... Whether they're constitutional or not, the fact is they exist and that's, you know, they are enforced. And so the constitutionality doesn't matter. It is what it is. How are you going to effectively communicate your ideas? And if people think that you think it's okay for their taxes to get increased because you don't have a problem with someone driving a tractor over uh, nine police cars because of an, a marijuana arrest. The taxes shouldn't be increased. They should be abolished. Well, but they're not going to be, at least not right now. And if you, if, if, 
if you want to eff- effectively communicate your message to people, if they think you want to uh, to basically destroy police cars that their hard work paid for, people are going to be upset with you and not listen to you. And, and, and Well, I think this kind of ties right into what I wanted to get into in, in your campaign for office yeah. and Ron Paul's. And uh, as far as the whole political system goes, I think, uh, number one, that uh, people that really care about true freedom, running for office is an absolutely great way of legitimizing the idea of true freedom. In, in, in the, the way that if the state offers you a, a stop button or an off switch, I don't think that voting for an off switch is exactly uh, immoral as far as... Uh, like a lot of the arguments from voluntarists would be like, oh, some, some voluntarists, just non-voters. I mean, uh, really, as well. Pete, Pete. Kyle, I want to hear a little bit more about this. So, if you'll hold the line, I was just going to say, people have a constitutional right to destroy the government. It's, it does say the right to alter or abolish it in the uh, Declaration of Independence. That's a fact. And the uh, New Hampshire Constitution includes a right to revolution. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Eight five five four five zero free. You believe a person has the right to revolt? A technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the Friday Night Edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. My name's Mark. My name's Bradley. And I'm Allie. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you're starting your own business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. I made my will there, and it really was fast and easy. Fortune Magazine, as a matter of fact, calls them uh, blessedly simple. They do all kinds of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks, LLCs, living trusts, whatever you need to protect you and your family. You can use coupon code FTL, save $10 on your order. It's LegalZoom.com. What is it like to write out your will? Uh, You know, you just decide where you want your stuff to go. You know, I mean, if you don't, the government decides where it goes and it takes them years to figure it out. Is it emotional? No. Well, I mean, you know, you're asking me. I would just like to plug LegalZoom.com. I uh, applied for and won a trademark that a trademark attorney told me I wouldn't win. And I did win it. Awesome. uh, Using uh, LegalZoom. So so, uh, you heard it here first or second. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I've got nothing but nice uh, things to say about it, too. I did have to go to an attorney to... Do some incorporation papers at one point. It was they, this was years. This was more than a decade ago, and he wanted five hundred bucks to do it. Hmm. LegalZoom.com significantly less costly. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Let's go back to Kyle in California. Kyle, you were talking about voting and the uh, morality thereof. Is that right? Yeah, um, I call myself a volunteerist, uh, volunteerist, volunteerist, um, capital mar- uh, anarchist, or anarchist. Uh, market anarchists, et cetera. 
But and you also and from I would say my genre, you get a lot of anything politics is immoral, and I look at it from the fact, and I, I believe the government is immoral as far as it's uh, based on coercion and and theft essentially. That, See, uh, I, I usually try to make a distinction between the state and government. People believe that governments are organizations that are there to keep you safe. That's what the, the sort of the standard definition, even though that's not the Webster's dic- dictionary definition. It's the what people believe. And, I, you know, since I want to be convincing with people, I would certainly never use a term like anarchist. If for one, it's grammatically incorrect. You cannot not have a ruler. You must rule yourself. So you would have to be an autocracist. I, th- I thought the term I, I thought the term anarchist. Uh, anarchy or anarchism refers to rules, but no rulers. Well, you must be a ruler of yourself. Must you not? Well, isn't that sort of... Asexual means no sex. Autosexual means sex with yourself. Okay? So, (laughs) the fact is... Government is like complete... Like, government sex... Ends of the, different ends of the spectrum. They don't mean the same Language, thing. Language, A, and auto mean different things. Mm. So an autoarchist is a person that rules themselves. So An anarchist <laughs> is a person who has no rules. And I have no desire to be around that person. Yeah, yeah. Typically, I, I they're going to scratch themselves in places that they're not, they, they shouldn't in public. You've been doing this well, show for so long. You know what people in general think about a lot of things just because you heard so many opinions, but I don't know that you necessarily can pinpoint what people think when they hear government. It could be a whole host of emotions. Sure, it's a whole host of emotions. There's no doubt about it. But the vast majority of people, uh, you know, certainly do, they do not ally themselves with the term anarchist. They say to themselves, well, we can't is, live without is, government. I think what it is is semantics. Cause you and Ian get in this argument all the time where you talk about more of a uh, uh, clubs, I would more associate them with as, as opposed to governments being like governing bodies and stuff. And I think it really is just uh, an argument over definition. And But I do agree with you, state and government, I think people conflate them, and that's why they're used in uh, conjunction with each other. But I do understand you're, you're, you know, somebody wanted to be part of the Catholic government, state, uh, voluntary association, whatever, they, they, and they want to call that government great. But, um, yeah, I see what the semantics you're talking about here. But I guess the whole crux of the issue is uh, getting back to the voting would be the, the fact that if there is an off switch, I believe that's the only uh, legitimate vote performed by somebody like myself, a voluntarist, where if they give you the option to stop aggression, and then, then it's actually absolutely uh, in the voluntarist's best interest to execute that vote. Like, if you're going to vote for Mitt Romney or Barack Obama, Obama or any other of these standard run-of-the-mill politicians, then it's absolutely immoral because they're not going to downsize the aggressive you know, force of the I state. wonder about that statement. Now, this is not a position that I want to, to argue, but I'm interested in it. So the question is, is voting for Hitler immoral? And, Absolutely. You know, and I, I get where you're coming why do from. We, why do we have to use Hitler's example? Like, is there something so much better about Obama or Romney that we can't use them as examples? Yes. Obama and Romney have not stuck, uh, you know, a, a, have not committed genocide at this point. Well. Um, so, yes. Sure you, have. Have, you have to give him that. Obama, Obama's been bombing the whole Middle East. Nah, yeah, that's I mean, not well, genocide. That's there. not he's, genocide. He's, he's bombing specific people in the Middle East. So. Right. He's, and, not, he's not just, you know, yeah, Hitler, Hitler had to be face to face with his victims. Obama doesn't even he doesn't even he does he has no 
What real evidence do you have that Hitler was in front of anybody that he uh, uh, executed? Because <laughs> he was in he was in Germany at least long enough to to know the group that he was coming after. I think that Obama has no concept. It's completely based on you know if Hitler did it if he was doing it just for some weird bigotry like reasons, then that's one thing. And I'm not saying it's any better, but Obama just does it completely for corporate interest. He's just a puppet. And it's almost worse to me because he's not even going to he's not even mad at them. He just doesn't care. Well, I mean, how do you know what's being said to him in private? And this is something that that I've been wondering, like, you know, say, there, yeah, there's a lot of things that the president I firmly disagree with. But what if, you know, the 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 message he's hearing in like, you know, the intelligence agencies, they're just giving him all this information that if you don't do this right now, you know, this is, these are the places that drones need to attack. Like what if, you know, what if the president himself doesn't realize that, you know, he's being hoodwinked? I mean, do you think that's possible? Kyle? I don't think Obama really, I think he's pretty much just a figurehead for whatever interests that really control Obama and tell him what to do and say. And the same with, 99.9% 99.9% of everybody who's holding office. They're, I think most of it's uh, immoral and, and uh, as far as the, the motives for these people to be in office. And what they say, say comes out of their mouth is just, you know, gift wrap BS just to get in with, and do what they got to do to take care of who's really taking care of them. Kyle, thanks for the call. 855-450-3733. And this is what it comes down to with motives. If somebody votes for a pro-liberty candidate, they believe that that person is going to do a better job and do what Kyle said was the the off switch. But there's always the possibility, in fact, the likelihood that that person will do something in their office, you know, vote for something that is aggressive in nature. Right. So, um, you know, my question is, is if it's okay to vote for somebody who's a little bit not pro-liberty, then is it okay to vote for somebody who's a lot not for, because I mean, you know, it, it's all about motives in your brain. If I were to pick up a, an apple, pick up a pair of sunglasses here, there's Ian's sunglasses are here on the counter um, in the uh, studio. If I pick them up, believe they're mine, take them away. I haven't stolen. I've just made a mistake. But if I do it for the, if I vote for the wrong reasons, then it's aggression. If I vote for the right reasons, it's a mistake. I don't know. Well, I mean, Obama ran on a lot of these off-switch issues, yeah, like oh, Guantanamo sure. Bay and the drug war. Transparency. Like, I thought that he was a liberty candidate when I was in high school. You got tricked. I got tricked. 855-450-3733. You and a Obama voter that got tricked? <laughs> Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and 2XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at Mark at FreeTalkLive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been all over the board tonight. Police corruption, morality of voting. Is it okay to run over cop cars with a tractor? <laughs> uh, you know. 
Whatever. Tampons. <laughs> What's that? Tampons. Tampons. There were tampons, too. I guess Eight, that is true. 855-450-3733. And... You know, one of the solutions to uh, these ideas, these ideas of freedom, because it's so difficult in dealing with, uh, you know, with a world that doesn't understand human freedom. They don't get the idea of rights. It doesn't even come into their consciousness is to move together with people that do believe these ideas. Increase your voice through uh, concentration and Probably the best way to do that is uh, going to the Free State Project at freestateproject.org, getting signed up and moving to New Hampshire. I moved here six years ago for the Free State Project, and I can tell you, to me, the biggest advantage is, A, if you're some person who wants to get involved in politics and uh, change things from inside the system, you have a much better chance of getting elected, and B, you can hang out with people who have these ideas. You don't have to be, you know... The one lone voice in the wilderness. So many people call us here on Free Talk Live and uh, or write us emails and say, I thought I was the only one who thought this way. Mm-hmm. Well, no. I mean, you know, like 15% of the population thinks this way. So come up here, start your own project. It's like, you know, rife with that. People just coming up and having their own project and others getting on board with it and getting way more support than you would wherever you are right now. So here's a. Here's, a, here's some prospects for the Free State Project. We talked last week, I think it was, about a, a boy who was trying to set up a hot dog cart. He had gone through the processes of getting the uh, you know, the permits and uh, these kind of things. He was going to sell hot dogs in a parking lot for a sporting goods store. And he done. he jumped through all the hoops, paid all the money. Now, hot dog carts, not cheap. It's never a good idea to spend some spend money and then you know, turn right around and sell the same thing. Chances are you're going to lose some money in the process. He saved up his money in order to do this. His family's on hard financial times, and the city shut him down within the first like hour he was working. Oh my gosh! Damn. And the poor kid, you know, had his hopes dashed on the rocks by city bureaucrats. Now there's news story. Apparently now he's homeless. So he could have made money selling hot dogs to people, but now he's homeless. I wonder if they've crushed his entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I've heard entrepreneurial spirit is what built the United States. I wonder if all their little rules about what you can do and what you can't do have uh, destroyed this kid. From from, uh, micnac.org, the Micnac Center for uh, Public Policy. Micmac Paddywhack? It's Micnac. Micnac. Anyway, it says uh, Holland, Michigan, several weeks after a city zoning officer shut down his hot dog business, 13-year-old Nathan Dosinski and his parents are homeless. The family was hoping Nathan's hot dog cart could help them through a difficult time. Nathan's mother, Lynette Johnson, suffers from epilepsy, and his stepfather, Doug Johnson, has multiple sclerosis. Their illnesses have restricted them from finding permanent full-time work. The family receives about $1,300 a month in disability payments, Medicaid, and food assistance. The three are having a hard time staying together. MLive confirms that uh, uh, Mackinac, I said it wrong, Mackinac uh, Center learned Thursday Nathan and his uh, mother are staying at the Holland Rescue Mission. Nate and I are now in a shelter, Lynette says. Doug can't stay with us because he takes prescription drugs with narcotics in them and not allowed to have those at the, the center. She said the situation has been stressful in the family and Lynette is afraid to be away from her husband because he has seizures. Nathan wanted to help out his family by selling hot dogs from a cart he bought with the money he had saved. He worked out an agreement with the local uh, sporting goods store to sell hot dogs in the parking lot. The owner of the store thought, 
it's a great way to attract customers and even offered Nathan a sales commission if he got people to rent his motorized bicycles. Wow. The city of Holland, however, shut down the business 10 minutes after it opened. Informing Nathan, it was the city's commercial district where food carts are not con- um, connected to downtown brick-and-mortar restaurants are prohibited. The Mackinac Center's coverage of the issue has drawn national attention. Last week, Nathan and his family made an appeal to the Holland City Council. Uh, Mayor Kurt uh, Dystruck defended the city's ordinance, saying it was to protect downtown restaurant owners who asked that the success of the downtown district not be infringed by those who don't share in the costs of maintaining the attractiveness of that uh, space. So what's most annoying about these uh, little ordinances isn't so much that the city takes so much credit. Like, that's part of it. The city takes all this credit for how nice downtown is. Mm-hmm. But then it's also... And then charges you to park there. So if, if you know, this boy opened his hot dog business and it did steal business away from the restaurants... All that means is that people would rather have hot dogs than go out to eat at a restaurant. That they, That's what the people in that town, in that area, at that time, want. That he's like, you know, the people who are giving him profits are saying, thank you. This is exactly, I wanted this more than I wanted to eat downtown. So they're basically not only stealing this opportunity from this boy, but they're stealing all the, the all the other side to the transactions that could have happened. Because they, you know, if he opened it up and no one went there, then why then there's no business being stolen from the restaurant, so why should they care? But they assume that he would do well, and that if he did well, then that would be stealing business. And that's just not only poor little boy, but poor all the, those customers. You got to love government protectionism in the form of zoning. Uh, what is it? The city of Houston has absolutely no zoning. That's right. And, you know, but what's it say about the uh, the competitiveness of these restaurants in downtown Holland? Like, you can't compete against a 13-year-old selling hot dogs? Well, I know, sad. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't go after him for being uh, working too young, you know, like, uh, you need to have, uh, you need to be a certain age or to work here in New Hampshire. And if not, you need a special waiver signed by school officials. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of bureaucracy if you're a kid and you want to work. It's can you wh- fix that as sheriff? You no. can, <laughs> if it's a family business, you can work, um, basically, or if it's a farm, but the, uh, or if you're a child actor, the, the, these are, these are fine activities for kids. <laughs> Bagging groceries, not okay. Um, yeah. you know, that's stupid, but you know, like he made this clear to the bureaucrats all along. He got his permits. He did everything. And then they turned it around on him at Jesus. the end. So he bought the cart with his $1,300 or I think it was that's what it was. Maybe it was 2500 I don't know. His savings. This kid saved his money, bought a cart, and then they go and slam him with this well, stuff. Well, maybe the city didn't really care about it until... Arrest- they don't care about you. Well, it's well, not a maybe. No, but maybe they really didn't care about his hot dog cart until someone who owns a restaurant who has political influence with someone on the city council made a phone call and was like uh i don't want hot dogs out in front of mob absolutely they don't want they don't want competition but this is then this draws into the question because remember he's got permission to be in that parking lot somebody's paying for that parking lot they're either paying taxes which is um, or rent for that parking lot taxes really are a form of rent they're renting it from the government yep. uh, try not to try not paying your taxes and see whether or not the landlord comes and kicks you off your property because um, you don't own anything the government does well you use the you, you just said your taxes and i will be the ghost of ian freeman and say uh <laughs> those taxes uh, are technically not yours they're theirs uh, fine uh you know th- but this kid is on property that's being paid for by a business owner so all the square footage is being paid for i mean he's serving hot dogs so what he's got his permits so what i mean why doesn't this restaurant owner complain about the other restaurant owner on the other corner that's selling food too i mean everybody's paying their way here 
I think it's maybe because I think it really is probably because the restaurants, so much of owning a restaurant has to do with dealing with all the regulation. And sure. I'm sure that the restaurant owners are thinking, man, if I could just run a hot dog stand and make money, then that would be way easier than what I'm People doing. People only want to eat a certain amount of hot dogs in a week, right? Well, I had to go through all the regulation process and get fingerprinted and give a blood sample and right. this, that, the other thing. So, What's this little kid doing out here? This little kid thinks he's going to be free out there and sell hot dogs. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I guess the, the business. Businesses have to stop kids from selling lemonade at their, you know, houses and, you know, going door to door with boxes of cookies. You know, I got a I got a call from a woman one morning when I was working midnights. It was like 630 a.m. And and she was like, you know, we want to have a lemonade stand. Is that legal? And I was like, well, no, but no one really cares. You know, you know, go ahead and have your lemonade stand. You know, I mean, this stuff is so prevalent. It's it's, it's insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, people people want to ask permission. They want permission from their betters to do things. I mean, essentially, they're just operating as serfs, begging their lord for a little, a, a bit of grain, sir. Yeah. I had a little lemonade stand when I was in elementary school. Well, good you, thing the statute of limitations has passed, Allie. I see. You were, you are, you were a rebel from way back. I was a rebel. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Mark with you and Bradley and Allie. You can call and talk about whatever you want to talk about, but I want to encourage you before we go on here with the story about the uh, the kid in his hot dog cart to uh, when you do your online shopping, go through shop.freetalklive.com. There we have links to all kinds of shopping experiences. Probably the the largest of them being Amazon.com. You know, you probably do a great deal of shopping at Amazon. Just take that extra moment, go through shop.freetalklive.com, and Free Talk Live will get a little portion of the the sale. It'll, you'll get the same prices and the same service you normally get, but we get a little spiff. It's shop.freetalklive.com. And so we're talking about this story of this uh, young man um, who was in Holland, Michigan, and he tried to – he went through all the government's little – Rules got the permits and all that kind of thing. Open to open up a, pocket, uh, a hot dog cart on his first day. He's he's excited. His parents they're doing poorly financially. He's going to be able to help the family by working hard this summer at a hot dog cart, making some money. And sure enough, some officious government bureaucrat comes along within ten minutes of him opening and shuts him down and says he can't work there. Dashing his hopes. Now, you'd think that this was just the way this story ends as he goes home and he has to sell his cart and, you know, la, la, la. Well, turns out they're in a shelter now. So, I mean, this really does prove uh, the old Harry Brown saying is the government breaks your leg and then gives you a crutch. Right. And it also kind of uh, like I remember back when Occupy Wall Wall Street started and even some of my friends were saying things like, why don't you become the one percent? Like it's. that's a misconception people have. You know, I agree that the nanny state is is 
frustrating and that it provides all the wrong incentives. But there's also another side to that where you can't just assume that the answer is to go out and get a job, go out and start your own business, because they make it impossible sometimes for a lot of different people, whatever your passion is, you know, like maybe you just don't have any choice and you end up sort of either having to not work and be on unemployment or welfare or work and do something you really hate, but that's all there is. The solution to injustice isn't working with injustice. Now, you can, I I understand working within, we all live in the real world. I pay gasoline taxes on gasoline in order to get from here to there, even though I believe that the government having an effective monopoly over the uh, building of roads because of, through the power of eminent domain is immoral. I still pay gas tax. Uh, I still buy gasoline, thus paying gas tax in order to be able to get to work and that kind of thing. You're being pragmatic in a less than perfect system. It, you know, and that's that's that. But, uh, you know, suggesting that, you know, be, becoming the 1%, look, money's freedom. There's no doubt about it. You can do more in this world if you have money than if you can't. And people are going to compromise all kinds of their rights when it comes to money. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they give them away. They live in government housing that the government could throw them out for any reason at all because it's free. I've met uh, a great deal of people in Berlin, New Hampshire, who uh, live in um, housing and urban development projects. Uh, I mean, these places are really nice, too. I mean, they've been done up really. I mean, there are some really nice units there. But when you move into there, you need to sign all these contracts mm. and, I mean, curtail like any amount of any amount of freedom that you want to have uh, while you're there. And it's just, it's, it's insanity. And whether the government certainly doesn't want everybody to be reduced to some kind of surf living on, living in a shelter, but that's how they operate. Well, I mean, that's what happened here. A kid wants to open a hot dog cart. A 13 year old kid can only do so many things to earn money. But there are, there are literally, uh, there are these organizations that commit massive Medicaid fraud and they get like 20 million, you know, 20 million dollars a month off of the taxpayers in the United States. And this is allowed. And then at the same time, the government seems to like having elderly people right on the edge of like mm-hmm. poverty. They they definitely depend on having at least a group like they can't have everyone on welfare, but they depend on having a large enough group of people dependent on them when it comes to doing certain things like getting away with stuff because uh that makes the whole independent self-govern government message less effective to people because there's so many of those out there who are dependent and then there's even more people who will jump to those people's rescue whenever you try to talk about self-government let's say well what about these people on welfare and food stamps you're trying to just screw all of them over wrong I mean, the the, uh, the solution that Ron Paul has is that, you you know, if the government takes care of everyone that it promises to and we stop this uh, this system of abuse, you know, the 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 whole Social Security system is like the third rail of American national politics. But, you know, this isn't about it's going down. Uh, it's it's got to go down. It is. I mean, I haven't met anyone who doesn't think it's a Ponzi scheme. I wonder if there are people out there who support the welfare state who would argue that it's better for us all to just get driven into the ground than to let go of the safety net as they see it. I think that people understand that there has to be a productive class out there. Oftentimes they will vilify that productive class as being bad people that must be doing bad things in order to be successful, that somehow success is an evil thing. Do you think in the system that it is a little bit required? Like some, I don't to some think extent? so necessarily. Do you I have mean, to be jaded to to 
make money, like no. good money in the system? I don't think you do. I mean, okay. uh, we look at the technology sector. Um, you know, there are lots of people creating wonderful things out there, making a huge amount of money by doing it. And it's not like they're patent trolls or anything like that. The patent trolls come afterwards. Oh. They're they're the ones that pick over the bodies and pull what out about the teeth. It, they're like vultures. I'm they sure really that, are. I'm sure that that's true when it comes to certain industries, like banks. We're talking about banks. Maybe you have to be kind of jaded to start one of those, or maybe you have to be sort of jaded to do well. I don't necessarily think it's true with banks either. I mean, if you're starting a community bank, there's all kinds of uses of a community mm-hmm. bank out there. Sure, you have to, to work with uh, the Federal Reserve to some extent or another. It says they get bigger, that they get more in collusion because they understand how there, there's, there's inherent efficiencies and inefficiencies in, when it comes to scale mm-hmm. with businesses. The way to handle those inefficiencies is to exploit the government's loopholes and uh, benefits for oneself, and then you can be more powerful than the others. Because the little guys would be able to exploit their efficiencies. Um, they don't have the efficiency of scale, but they do have the efficiency of nimbleness, mm-hmm. uh, whereas big businesses don't have that. What they want to do is they want to crush the little guy to keep him out of there. I don't think there's anything wrong with opening a, um, you know, going through whatever it takes to open a bank and opening a community bank. I always wonder, as a consumer, when little things throw me, like, why would they set it up that like that? It doesn't seem like the most efficient way. Sure, a bad customer service. Yeah, or like, you know, I'd rather have it this way. It seems like most people would want it this way instead, that it's like they're... It must be because of some loophole that they're having to get around. Like, that way must be illegal. When somebody is on the edge of poverty, and literally it's the check from the government that is the only thing that's keeping you afloat, you are extremely incentivized to support the government and, by proxy, support lots of things that the government does that are unjust. And this all comes down to the government wanting you to be under its control at all times. Yeah, the government doesn't really care about efficiency. It doesn't really care about making a bunch of money. It really does. It is about a, a control situation. And, you know, it's it's naturally driving a certain segment of the population under its thumb. And by its thumb, I mean into its programs, its uh, shelters, its uh, housing projects. It's uh, But it does a lot of welfare. good. It does do a lot of good stuff for people who uh, fall through the cracks. There is a safety net. But the problem is that the purpose of the safety net has been abused. It's been stolen from. I mean, people who I mean, everybody in America, with the exception of state or local employees, uh, pays 15% extra into the social security system, 7.5% in their paycheck and 7.5% from their employer. And that's money that you are, you, you're not going to see again. I mean, the social security system has to collapse. Right. Like there's no doubt that there are certain things that the government, when they spend money, they have like little wins or whatever, like, you know, Oh, we got a man on the moon. Yeah, sure. That seems like a big win. But when you factor in cost, it always like, overrides at, the win. You look at the SpaceX program and uh, these kind of programs now that are getting people into space or getting very close to being into space. Uh, it's really difficult to uh, decide what space is, but um, it, you know, they're getting very close and they're going to have a hotel in space relatively soon. They're, Far less costly than what NASA was, even back in the 60s. So, you know, I mean, when you just start throwing money at something, then, yeah, you're going to have a certain level of success. And it's an interesting argument for and against the state all at the same time, because one of the the, the best arguments is, is, look, you must have a strong centralized government to compete with other strong centralized governments. The United States likely would not have beaten the Soviet Union into space if it had done it 
from the standpoint of uh, you know private people trying to get into space because the the incentives just aren't there. Mm-hmm. It's an inefficient process. What did you and I get from sending a man to a, a dry, barren, dead dust ball? We in can the sky? say we did it first. Yep. Well, I like the movie Apollo thirteen, so I guess I got that. Did they got blowed up? Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's a good movie. Come on. Call in, give us your opinion on Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyandHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. This is Free Talk Live. The number is 855-450-3733. Head on over to freetalklive.com, the interactive website where you can view and post content. Other listeners will vote up or down your content, which will hopefully make it to the front page, meaning we are more likely to discuss it. Here with you tonight, it's Allie. And Bradley. And Mark, you know, if you want your content to make it to the, the front page um, and you want other people's content to make the front page, you need to go to the listen and share section. It's buttons right at the top, freetalklive.com, and you can vote on them there. I think it takes three votes to get them out of the uh, the queue. It keeps people from saying, you know, uh, great prices on cheap golf equipment, you know, it keeps that post off of uh, off the front page. Well, that that's where I go to find my show prep. The so. golf the, the golf equipment? Yeah. Yeah. Freetalklive.com. <laughs> so. We have been uh, all over the. Thank you for that intro, by the way, Allie. Um, we have been all over the, the. I'm sorry, what's that? I said my pleasure. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> but all over the board this evening. I've got a. I, I guess I can't call this video anything but Orwellian. Um, it's from the city of Houston, and it's uh, you know really well produced uh, video. It has the uh, the same kind of uh, slick production that you might see from you know Hollywood stuff. It has the same silly stuff of uh, beautiful women being uh, you know ninja terrorists too, um, as if the that's what they're all about. Um, but this video it it it's one of these uh, you know make the call is the name of it. It's t- about terrorism p- prevention. If you see somebody putting a bag down someplace, oh Jesus. You know, and I can see the point on the bag, but there's been a lot of really ludicrous incidents with putting bags. Uh, uh, Like just a bag anywhere? Are we talking about at the airport? 
This uh, specifically, this was at a um, open cafe that uh, the, the first little segment of the video said it was a it was a punk rock guy with a mohawk. He oh, must geez. have been those, one of those black box um, anarchists. Why? I mean, all of this stuff does is just get people worked up and afraid of everything. Yeah, it, indeed, it does. Um, but this guy left his bag. There was an incident here in Keene, New Hampshire, and they've been they've been all over the country. But uh, where a guy leaves a bag, and I guess he it was a you know a guy that uh, you know had to be gone all day, and he had some beer in the bag, and he didn't want to bring it into court. It was out in front of uh, out behind a courthouse, and uh, you know they they shut the whole courthouse down. There's cops swarming all over the place. Oh my God! A backpack. Jesus. Well, they seem to be making it uh, very understandable for anyone who wants to avoid a court date that all they have to do is just leave a backpack outside. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus. create chaos around your town. Leave backpacks why not, around. Not legal advice. Why not? Why not? You know, leave a set of instructions for people on how to just grind everything to a halt. I mean, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I mean, you know, you could just bring the whole town to a screeching that halt. Would, that be- would be a really funny skit, like someone trying to seem like a terrorist just to like... Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark, you could uh, you could leave your fanny pack outside the uh, local yeah. courthouse. You know, sure they could have scare enough, a lot of people. Excuse me, <laughs> excuse me that, that must, that's your man bag, right? That's right, my, my merce. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it could have enough C4 in it. Could it make something go kablooey? I don't know what you would do. I would just leave this in the car because you can't, you know, it's got a knife in it. But don't you and- forget it? It's like a seatbelt. Like, it's just on. You know, I certainly might. Uh, if I had to go in front of the courthouse, I'd have to go turn around. And take security is Im- security is important, but freaking out the entire populace is is just the wrong way to go about it. Let's go to Larry in Indianapolis. Larry, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Uh, how you doing, boys? I wouldn't talk call about this, but you mentioned about the uh, if you see something, say something. Right now, they're training all our kids to wear backpacks, right? Sure, big backpacks, now, giant backpacks need- that they can barely handle. Yeah, that they can't even handle. All we need is one person to have an explosive in a backpack. They're going to be searching kids every time. Say, well, we got to search them and make sure their parents didn't send up a backpack, uh, gun with them or a uh, bomb and to blow up their classroom. Aren't they searching That's- them now? Aren't yeah, they-, they are. I mean, I've done it. They- That's just a new level. They but have you, the cops in all over the schools, constantly checking people's lockers, people's backpacks. They, <laughs> they. I don't know if it's intentional or just really bad uh, time management, res- like uh, managing that. But they make it so that uh, the kids that everyone pays to send to these government schools are required, basically, uh-huh. to carry around to like carry a, a whole library on their back. Oh yeah, yep. ki- kids are getting conditioned that this type of treatment is well, to, to, is okay. To be beast of burden. It's for slave labor, but here's what I call about. People talk about welfare, right? You know what the new deal is? You go to any city county council in the name of development, right? We got a bunch of booze joints here in our town. Every one of them have tax abatements and incentives to come in and uh, sell booze. Is this uh, in like the downtown area? Oftentimes yeah, they'll yeah. do this because the downtowns will, in, in many citizens, uh, c- cities, are sort mm-hmm. of daytime operations, and they want somebody in there in those parking spaces at night, basically. But, but booze joints, it's no return on that. And what happens is, like you go and have a martini for $12, uh, <laughs> well, the taxpayers are subsidizing $4 of that. So, you know, it's so stupid. You watch any city council meeting. Watch. Uh, ch- I'll give well, you a good idea. For, Larry, an for, abatement isn't isn't a subsidy. Um, yes, I mean, an abatement. The tiff district. What do you think an abatement is? If they tell you you don't have to pay taxes on your business for uh, ten years, then you can go to the bank and get a loan on that money. Absolutely, and move you your can, business sure. out further. Our incentives. We have these things called uh, tiff districts here, 
where they hold back part of the money and give it to people to come in and build their businesses. And some of the most wealthy corporations are down there doing the belly crawl begging. You, you watch uh, in, in, the Indy Channel, Channel 16, during these budget talks that we're going to have. You'll Is that like your local these, uh, corporations public access kind of thing? Coming in begging. I got you. I got you, Larry. But uh, on their knees, so we need to be quiet about poor people because the corporation are new poor. I think the I would absolutely agree with you that the you know the first welfare we need to stop is corporate welfare because Mm -hmm. you know it it it's you know it it, it's the ugliest of it. That would include overwhelming. That would include one corporation came in and said, "Well, we've been in business for a hundred and hundred fifty years. Uh, We brag about that." Uh, well, if you haven't been able to have a, your own money in 150 years, you need to go out of business. They were in there on their knees begging for, uh, I think it was uh, was $20 million in, in an incentive package. And what they were going to do is is, is uh, put up some uh, drug manufacturing plant, and the jobs wouldn't going to come in until uh, 2016. So, well, you know... Larry, what a lot of times what they're doing is is that these uh, these corporations are you know they're deciding where to build something and they they're picking all kinds of different places all over the country and they're bidding those cities against each other for better scenarios for themselves. That's what Walmart does. I don't think the taxpayers should have to give these companies any money, but I'm not going to begrudge anybody getting a lower getting a tax abatement. I want no, a tax you, abatement. You can't do that. No, well, okay, tax abatement, but these are uh, outrageous incentive packages that are being given out some in are. bond issues. Yep, so, some certainly are. You know, when you talk about that, you talk about a situation where the corporation is coming in out of control. There's no way we can compete with corporations. No, I think you the can't city's get the attitude lawyers. should be that if you come to this space, if you can't make a profit here, then don't come. I'm with you. Corporations own elections. Corporations own elections in the United States, especially after the Citizens United ruling that basically said corporations are people. Now, I right, you know, the, the country has gone from of the people by the people for the people to of the lawyers by the lobbyists uh, for the corporations. Which, really is if as shocking as this may sound, if you look up the definition of fascism, it's pretty close to what we have here in the United States. And I, I read a paper recently that that said that the United States meets all. The the planks of the communist manifesto I, you said pretty close like in what way half. is it different are you willing to defend that i How just i just was hoping that you would catch 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 me on that <laughs> and and point that out i haven't found any difference personally there's, there, well there's there's some slight differences I, we went through it years ago but uh, you know maybe it's worth doing again i'm sure it's it's all right in definition now if you want to uh, over it years ago well i think that i think the supreme court was right when it uh, issued that opinion uh, that said the citizens united case that said that uh, corporations can speak because the first amendment protects five things one of them is freedom of speech uh, okay corporations should be uh, according to the constitution they should be able to speak i would totally support changing the constitution so they can't what does that mean? How? What do you mean? Like, what would corporations? How are they speaking? Corporations are considered non-natural people as far as the law is concerned. So they're considered persons that basically, you know, if, if you're a corporation, you're shielded from personal liability for your actions. This is why, you know, companies can get away with turning funds into uh, turning towns into Superfund sites, and no one goes to jail. This is one thing that I'm interested in because I really don't understand this argument about. Uh, corp limiting your liability, like, why couldn't that exist in a free market? Why couldn't someone decide that, like, I want to start a business, but I don't want my family, my house, my car all on the line? It totally could exist with an insurance company. 855-450-3733. Your comments are welcome here on Free Talk Live. 
The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. Control. The number is 855-450-3733. Here with you, it's Allie. And Bradley. And Mark. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. Thank you, Allie. I'm give you a chance to do a little introductions here. You know, Ian's away. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> when Ian's away, the mice will play. I guess we're the mice. Um, so, we, we, on the way out there, Allie, you were teasing the uh, the, the question of, what in a free market in a free market world? What would limited liability look like? And I guess we want to we want to build a foundation for this. Mm-hmm. In a free market world, the government wouldn't create corporations because corporations are a government creation. Uh, people fill out the paperwork, they pay the money. The government says, "Well, are roads a government creation?" Roads are uh, dirt uh, and rocks uh, piled up on the on the ground. Right. So, so how are you going to claim them? that the, just because the government's all up in it doesn't mean that the government is the one to come up with this idea? Like maybe it's a good idea that you know certain people can come out uh, and decide. Like you know, I'll go into this, but I don't want everything to be on the line. I don't want to like I'll go share this business. People can be shareholders, but, you know, it would be fraudulent to claim that, you know, if if the company got sued or something or was involved in some kind of dispute where someone claimed they that, you know, my company owed them a million dollars, but my company is only worth a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that doesn't mean they can and like make me their slave or take my kid's truck from him or whatever it all that i would want is that they can have whatever the business is worth and that's it you're not you're not treading on my uh you know personal income and everything like that and people could know that up front right well um I think that uh, you, you've touched on a bunch of different things here. So, you know, there's different types of liabilities when it comes into business. And one of those liabilities would be, say, um, you know, investors going into the business. I don't think investors – you could – you'd have a contract when somebody buys some stock in your business mm-hmm. that says, look – the most if, – if we have to liquidate, our exit contract is the most you're going to get is whatever the assets are of the business. You're not going to get my house or whatever. So you have a contract situation there um, and you don't need this uh, this legal device called a corporation in order to get that. But isn't that why most people get incorporated? Well, because we, we the reason that people get incorporated is in order to protect themselves against this precedent and depredations of the of the state as it exists today. We have a very litigious society where people believe that there's a 99% and a 1%. And if they think that your business has somehow put you into the 1%, they will uh, a jury will come down on you like a ton of bricks mm-hmm. because, you know, they they see corporation, they see money. That's, well, and that's part of the silly thing to me is like 
I see local businesses getting incorporated all the time. It's not just something that the Everybody 1% gets a, does. It's like everyone's getting incorporated, and there's obviously some kind of advantage to it. So when I hear you know, my friends and stuff dissing corporations, and I don't know if they mean it to be like there's something wrong with you if you decide to get incorporated as a business, but it almost starts to seem like that. And I think that there are advantages to being incorporated that aren't necessarily uh, just someone saying, I don't want to be responsible for my actions. I think that, you know, business owners are more responsible for their own like market failures than people who don't own their own businesses anyway. So I could see why you would get incorporated based on the like legal land that people have to deal with. Right. And existing in today's culture, I don't have any problem with people choosing to get incorporation incorporated. What I have a problem with is incorporations uh, allow corporations allow people to duck responsibility in certain areas. Exactly. I was just going to say there's nothing wrong with corporations, but there is a lot wrong when the when corporate America is able to, you know, Dr. Paul says you have to wonder why some corporations are willing to spend millions of dollars to get a candidate elected. And it's not just because they, um, they oh, you know, I really like this guy's principles. That's not how the government works. Let's take uh, Vince in Indianapolis. Vince, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hello, Mark. Hey, it's uh, Allie and... Uh, and and Allie, uh, I know. Okay, but, uh, just letting you know. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to share something a little... I, it's not serious, but uh, this lady was arrested in Pennsylvania, state of Pennsylvania. Attempting to try to, I guess, poison her husband with Visine. Her she was, husband was not, yeah, was not paying attention enough to her. <laughs> you can you can poison someone with Visine. I've heard that you I could guess. that you can put Visine in an alcoholic beverage and that will uh, knock them out. Um, and this really? is like the date rape kind of situation. I don't know, oh. kids. I don't recommend this. You could kill somebody. I have no idea. This is just something that somebody's told me. Well, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> Stop playing with your magnets. <laughs> Who are you going to rape, Allie? <laughs> Vince, go on. No, I just want to, you know, give you something a little funny and lighten up things. But I did want to say one thing. You know, you guys talk about the rule of law, and the, the meaning of rule of law is the ability to rule ourselves. And I don't think that's quite applicable to these days. But why? We don't hold it. What are your thoughts? Huh? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I, I see things like, you know, you know, uh, I think there was a case out in California where the uh, pension, uh, what's called CalPERS, is pressuring cities not to file, you know, bank, you know, or not bankrupt, but trying to prevent them from filing bankruptcy. Right. Because they can't make their their obligations to their police to fire pension plans and government pension plans like San Bernardino County. They'll have till September first to file for bankruptcy. It looks like there might be a wave of uh, of, of bankruptcies out in California. Well, municipal yeah, ones too. Yeah, that's right. But they they uh, they reported that they had thirty, I guess, thirty different cities last year. I mean, Mission Viejo, uh, San Diego, I think it is, and you know, part uh, several cities outside of San Diego had considered filing for bankruptcy. So, yeah, it, but, uh, it's going to be very interesting. These uh, these municipalities, fence. Thank you for the call. Have not prepared for the you know they, they've been grasshoppers. We, we know that governments uh, grasshoppers and not ants, right? Like everybody knows that, and they have been they haven't uh, saved up any money. They're not prepared for the lean times. You know, they had all that money during the housing bubble. They were getting uh, you know people's property taxes were going up, up, up. 
more money for the coffers of government. And then, you know, when they made all these deals with these unions at that time, well, it looks like it looks like uh, the sky's the limit as far as how much money we're going to get. And now it's time to pay the piper. And people had the expectation that their lives were going to be a certain way. Uh, these these government bureaucrats that uh, retire, they had contracts and it's looking like these municipalities can't pay them. Contracting with the authority that has the ability to uh, change what the legal requirements of a contract are is a sure way to know that you're you're going into a contract that could be ruptured at any time. It's easy for us to sit out here and say that, right? I mean, but these people had the expectation. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but they had the expectation that their lives were going to be a certain way. And uh, when expectations aren't met, people are usually upset. That well, must be scary working like in a government court and seeing them renege on all these agreements and like realizing like, wait, I have agreements with these people too. I hope they don't do the same thing to me at some point. But the problem is, is that most people in that position don't, they think they're okay. And they, you know, yes, they pe- do. people, people working in government are like, oh, I'm all set until the government turns on them. And that's, that's when you have another person who's, who's figured out that the government isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Yep, the uh, government will turn on you, and I just ask a just ask a government employee. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Got a story where the government reneged on you? Eight five five four five zero free. Free talk live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two. Buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love, but make sure you give three bucks a month to AMP at (laughs) amp.freetalklive.com. Talk live. I have no idea what that music is. Such awesome music. Are you trying to set the mood? Are you trying to set a different mood here, Mark? I'm not sure what mood I'm trying to set. I love it. <laughs> what is that song? Do you know that song? Allie's dancing. <laughs> I was dancing. You, you the webcam is at freetalklive.com. Yeah, you can see Allie dancing at uh, cam.freetalklive.com, no doubt. And you can give us a call at 855-450-3733 on the SACL toll-free call-in line. And Bitcoins, I want to tell you about them real quick. Bitcoins are the you know the new online currency. You can send and receive money anywhere in the world without anybody being involved. You don't have any fees. Um, you know they can't freeze your account. You can't be forced into a chargeback. You have complete control over your money. You know, a lot of times when it, uh, you know, as an American, now the United States government has made it extraordinarily difficult to do business in other countries because banks don't want to take your money. They have to report to the government. If you've got more than $10,000 with them, they've got to report your business, if, a bank uh, in some other country. An interesting thing that people should look into is the U.S. Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control. Just look them up on Wikipedia and look about what they do and what they can do with your money. And, you know, I mean, if you can't hold your money in a bank, how are you going to hold it? Well, bitcoins is one way you can do it because you can keep it, you know, on your computer or you can keep it on the Internet. Um, this is, it's a digital currency. And if you need to get bitcoins, you can go to bitinstant.com. They've got more than 700,000 locations worldwide where you can go deposit money and you'll have it in your bitcoin account 
before you get back. If you go to weusecoins.org, it's a great jumping off point to uh, learn about Bitcoins and uh, you know get the Bitcoin client. Weusecoins.org and bitinstant.com. Apparently that song was Rat-a-tat-tat by Oh, that's why uh, I like Brace. it. I love Rat-a-tat. Okay. <laughs> is the name of the band Rat-a-tat-tat? Rat-a- or, no, it's just it Rat- Neck Brace is the name of the band. <laughs> neck Brace? <laughs> the name of the band is, or the uh, artist is Rat-a-tat. Okay. And I listen to his channel on on a uh, popular radio thing online all the time. radio thing. Is that popularradiothing.com? Uh, no, just... it's Pandora.com. <laughs> okay. as, as a Free Talk Live listener, I'm curious, like, did you just randomly send in new music beds just to spice things up It was up probably a, a music no. bed for someone else and it accidentally got put on Ooh. the show. No, Charles is our board op this evening. Charles is uh, sort of the ace A1 board op. Oh, GC our, and Charles. Yeah, yeah. The, the one who uh, handles things. And, Maybe you know, he just likes good music. He's At this point, he's so good at being a board op, he has to have things to do. Oh. So he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll jump in here and there. And, I approve. Hey, Charles. Oh yeah, Charles mix it up. Mix one. it up, Charles. Come on, mix it up. So anyway, um, this uh, article here that we were talking about—the "Make the Call" video that came from the city of Houston. It's a high-budget video. Uh, it's funded by the Department of Homeland Security, and among other things, uh, this video does is it says, "Watch out for people with cameras and recording devices. They've gotten so small that most of us seem to have one with us at all times." Yeah, who doesn't it's, have a camera on them? It's not unusual for people to be taking uh, pictures or video almost anywhere, but surveillance and information gathering is a common practice used by terrorists prior to an attack. Of course. So, I, like, you couldn't just go on Google Earth and look at, and like, Google Street View and get all yeah. your pictures if you wanted terrorists to. Terrorists also sometimes wear hats and <laughs> pants, and sometimes they use cell phones, and sometimes they drive cars. Well, ter- so these are all suspicious activities. I know a terrorist in Miami named uh, that wears a fedora. Named, <laughs> named Carlos Miller. I believe he's actually writing this uh, this particular article. Oh, okay. If they hang around for no apparent reason, ask inappropriate questions about schedules of the facility, or if they try to avoid security when approaching, make the call. The truth is, it's not common practice for terrorists to take photos or videos of their intended targets as security. Ex- expert Bruce uh, Schneider stated in his 2008 article, A War on Photography, the 9-11 terrorists didn't photograph anything. Nor did the London transport bombers, the Madrid subway bombers, or the liquid bombers arrested in 2006. Timothy McVeigh didn't photograph the Oklahoma City Federal Building. The Unabomber didn't photograph anything. Neither did shoe bomber Richard Reed. Photographs aren't being found amongst the papers of Palestinian suicide bombers. The IRA wasn't known for its photography. And even those manufactured terrorist plot the U.S. government likes to talk about, the Fort Dix terrorists, the uh, JFK airport bombers, the Miami 7, the uh, Lackawanna 6, no photography. The video, reminiscent of the 1950s Red Scare government-funded films, was uploaded to a DHS-funded City of Houston website on January 2011. And they spent a lot of money on this video. I can tell you by uh, looking at the, the participants and you know, the little quality of the production and the uh, acting in it, this is a big, expensive thing to do. If, once the government's involved, it's already expensive. The Ad Council must get like more resources than all the other agencies because the it, government puts together some... like. Seems like legit ads. It's the propaganda machine. Yeah, they do a good job with with their propaganda. We should learn from them. So anyway, it says here, five months after the Department of Homeland Security issued a directive informing federal officers that it is lawful to record federal buildings, but it barely went noticed. 
receiving just over 2,000 views in 17 months. But on August 6th, it was uploaded to a YouTube account under the username Run, Hide, Fight, which contains various government-funded fear-mongering videos in several languages, including a recent one on how to uh, survive a mass shooting. It, it ended up in uh, my Facebook page this morning. The video also encourages citizens and employees to call police in the event that somebody happens to leave a bag sitting behind at a restaurant instead of just trying to yell out that, hey, that person in the case, they must have uh, left their bag behind by accident. The uh, second video uh, geared towards employees included a restaurant and store workers as well as security guards was also uploaded in the Houston City-owned site, but uh, that only received just over 400 views. I mean, these really expensive videos are getting fewer views than you know, my son playing with his toys. The, the the government is just getting so ridiculous about this this stuff. I mean, like saying everything, everything is a threat. Well, it's not just that. They want to make you feel like somehow you're a hero for calling 911. They want to make you feel like, uh, you know, going and telling teacher, which is just like the most common ex- analogy I can think of, going and telling the authorities whenever anyone around you is acting differently or in any way, like in any way in your mind, uh, not proper, or you just, maybe you just don't like the person, but they make you feel like, you know, you see this lady leave a bag behind, and all of a sudden, you could be the hero. Yep. You could save everyone. It gives in the busybody something to do. Yeah, and but it's more just importantly, wrong. it ab- it it absolves the police of responsibility, the government mm-hmm. of responsibility in a lot of ways. Because here's what happens: you know, if uh, if if you know, so many instances there have been. Uh, say, There's a dangerous man with a gun here. And the person will call in. The cops respond in the. You know, in the fashion that you'd respond to a dangerous man with a gun. Turns out it's a guy doing his grocery shopping, Opie carrying at uh, Costco. That's why the dispatcher should be saying, what makes this man dangerous? Understood. But then, but but this is what happens, right? So, you know, the, the their result, their result, a person just left a bomb in a backpack at a, at a grocery store. Bam. You know, I mean, the cops are reacting like there's a bomb in a, in a backpack rather than saying, hey, did you check and see whether perhaps somebody left their bag in the, outside the store because they didn't want to bring the backpack inside? No, the person's already made the positive claim that there's a bomb. Why? Because they've been told by the government up to this point that you need to be careful of bombs and backpacks. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's this kind of never ending cycle of fascism. So I have a question as far as I don't always understand what the government's real incentives are. Like sometimes I can uh, point them out. But when it comes to these kinds of terrorist attacks, I understand that a lot of them are probably real terrorist attacks because the government kills a lot of people uh, in its wars and just, you know, inadvertently, too. And there's a lot of people who are mad at the government. And I could uh, I I don't think that terrorist attacks are the answer ever, but that a lot of people do react crazy in these situations but how does the government really feel about terrorist attacks like do they secretly thrive on them like they hope it happens because then it can justify all the uh 1984 the government is a group it doesn't feel anything well i mean the people who benefit from government control do they i mean do they really when they hear about these little incidents uh with these terrorists it's impossible to say what people feel 
at you know what a person feels might be the the case, but you know some of them think that this is you know this is great. It well, allows it gets us them to more grow power the in a lot of cases, or does it take power away from them? That's the real question. I think that they have probably the best intentions. The mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, uh, wasn't he quoted saying, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." I or thought something that was like Clinton, that? Hillary Clinton. I could, I could be wrong. Could I could be wrong, be wrong too. Eight five five four five zero free free talk live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. I guess is uh, made the artist is sem- subtract. This is like Euro dance party. Yeah, feel like I feel a little high. Eight five five four five zero three seven. Music makes you high, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So manventureoutpost.com. You can go there and get uh, name brand. You know, hunting, camping, shooting gear, survival gear, whatever you need. Whether it's knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. Whatever you need. They've got bow and arrows. You know, I was watching the Olympics, and that's pretty neat stuff. Um, you know, something to get the kids into. Manventureoutpost.com and get the best prices. And some of some factors so low they can't be mentioned on the air, the manufacturers won't allow it. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. Let's go to Christopher in Phoenix. Christopher, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, I saw on uh, Facebook just someone asked a question and asked to call in about uh, do corporations uh, benefit the economy? And I was just going to say that, like, we don't really even know what the economy would be like, you know, like, what is the economy, first off? And then I kind of think of it more like corporations own the economy, like the government in cooperation with corporations, like, you know, together they collectively kind of own the own the economy and make it what it is. Yeah, they decide who can so, do business and who can't. Well, the corporations own who the government, business, and the government can't. defines the economy. So, wait, do, do the, the corporations math. own the government? Is the government own the corporations, or is a symbiotic relationship? I think it's yeah, some kind of binary star. I mean, obviously, the uh, government makes rulings that corporations don't particularly like, but oftentimes they're involved in it. For instance, uh, back in 1971, I think it was, uh, they, the government made it so that uh, tobacco companies couldn't advertise on radio or television. Now, that sounds like a terrible thing that tobacco companies would have uh, said is awful, but really, they're competing for a group of people that are already buying cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So it was a benefit to them because now 
nobody gets to spend any money on uh, tobacco uh, ads on the radio. They wouldn't spend money on tobacco ads on the radio unless their competitors did, and they just had to be in the market in order to keep their market segment. Big Tobacco has has uh, perpetrated a fraud on the American public, but they've only been able to get away with it because they've had support in government. It's the truth. Christopher, anything else? Uh, that's all. That's all I want to say. Thanks for the call. 855-450-3733. We might be able to sneak in. It depends on how things go with Jeremy in Philly. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, uh, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. I was listening to the podcast from yesterday, and uh, there was a discussion about changes to the Bible, and you had that one caller that called in that was discussing her faith, and you said uh, that you know Jesus didn't so much as write his name on a cocktail napkin, and why weren't the Ten Commandments you know, chiseled in stone on a mountain visible from space, if, you know, God wanted us to see his message. And my question is, like, if Jesus did write his name on a cocktail uh, napkin, and if God did leave, you know, tangible evidence, wouldn't that sort of reduce, or wouldn't that sort of go against the concept of free will? Because the, if the evidence was so strong, and there was evidence left behind, like a lot of people would look at that evidence, and uh, like, wouldn't that sort of go against free will? Yeah, I mean, like, I believe in the flying spaghetti monster for the purpose that there's no proof. Like, if there was proof of this monster, I would never believe in him. But that's why. <laughs> but I don't know I'm what that wondering, means. Like, that, uh, if, so, like, if, like, w- wouldn't you want God to, w- like, wouldn't you want people to come through God through personal experience? Because God would say, hey, you trusted me. Um, I-, I just think personal experience and free will sort of is a good counter argument against, hey, uh, against the cocktail it might be the, argument. It might be the best um, uh, argument, but I think that it still falls short because God isn't really testing you to see where you come in um, on as far as free will goes. I mean, what he's testing you for is eternal damnation in a fiery pit. We can't imagine for a second. If I taught my son not to touch things by clipping the ends of his fingers off with a pair of diagonal cutters, people would call me a homicidal maniac. But they believe that they call God faithful and loving and just for sending me to hell uh, f- to burn in eternity. A far worse punishment than uh, k- snipping off the ends of my son's fingers with uh, with tin snips. For having a tattoo. Yeah, for having, a, for whatever sin. I mean, we're all sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God is the, uh, is the claim. God, I feel like I'm in church. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've been there plenty of times. And so... You know, as far as free will goes, I mean, I'd like to have free will with having the facts. Well, if it, if the evidence for God was was so provable, like people wouldn't really like people would. It'd, it'd, it'd be like if you were in a trial and all the facts said the person was guilty, you wouldn't just say, "Oh, innocent." Like. It, like it, really god wants to it, test like, me in this way though jeremy i mean th- that's like, what god wants I, I he wants kinda, some people to go to hell because his it, evidence is so bad well wouldn't the evidence have to be left kind of bad for you to come to him like so it it, it would depend it, on what kind of like god you're talking about because some people believe in a god and it's not something that the way they define God is not something that's provable. That's not the point is to try to prove if he exists. But a lot of Christ, or people that believe in the Bible, I'll say, the Bible makes a lot of claims that sh- should be provable. 
It says a lot of things that you should be able to look up historically and see. Wow, did a bunch of people notice that this guy was flying into space and like went up and down between heaven and hell? Like, did anyone witness this? Was no. there a big supernova no one, on the, um, you know, no one the 25th? There's that's no why it's called fake, though, isn't There's it? no evidence that any of... Well, then don't make claims that should be provable, should be, uh, what is the word, look upable, uh Verifiable. Verifiable. Sure. Like, don't make these claims that should be verifiable and believe in something when there's no verification for it. If you want to believe in a God that doesn't need proof for you to believe in him, then believe in that God. Don't believe in the Christian God. Hmm. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate the call. I get very frustrated with the um with with the the, the, the religious conversation because I, I believe in God. I just don't believe what the Bible says is true all around. I don't think that yes. every dot and tittle of it is true. That's how I feel. And for me, what the the worst part of it all is, is hell. Because to me, hell's a threat. A threat that if you don't do things the way I say that they're done, uh, they should be done. And if you don't do them, you know, how I say, you're going to be damned eternally. I... I got to say that that's a, you know, it's a horrifying thing to teach a, a youngster, especially some people with certain types of minds are going to dig into this and they're, they're just going to reject it. Um, a lot of people will teach hell as a way to prevent people from doing bad things. I've got a personal story and I say it does the opposite. Um I, you know, as a young person growing up, I was I worked at, I was at the Sunday school. I went to a Christian school. My mother taught uh, Sunday school. I you know, I, I was as, you know, the average uh, Christian kid at about 16. I decided I don't believe this stuff anymore, that this just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, 16 year olds are going to make whatever, um, you know, whatever decisions they're going to make. They're adults. And so I came to that conclusion upon coming to that conclusion because I had been taught that one should be good because one should go will go to hell if one isn't good. Then my moral basis was blown away. Have you ever seen the movie Ghost? Uh, I did. I don't. Was that what happened there? Well, yeah. I mean, do you know? Do you know what I'm talking no. about, Ellie? Well, in the movie Ghost is very, uh, very. Uh, it, it ingrains the the sense that these little black demons are going to come get you if you don't live your life well. Uh. And if you do live your life well, then you're going to go to uh, to heaven, but where the white demons are, and, whatever. Where the yeah, but it, that's fine. But it's just like yeah, I think people should live their lives well. But what bothers me is the arbitrariness of. The little black demons are going to come if you, you know, if you sin and don't repent, even the smallest of the sins. It's like it's so mm-hmm. disproportionate. How could how could a, a God that's fair and just do that? That's that's one thing that that's one of my pet peeves with religious people is they overuse the use the word sin. And I think if you're talking about hell and heaven, you better be very careful about how you use the word sin and what behaviors you describe as sinful, because if you're going to say that being gay is a sin then you have to de- you have to be ready to define what that means. And a lot of Christians, if you ask them, what is sin? They don't know what to say. They don't even know what that means. All they know is that, like, in their mind, sin means God's mad at me. And, you know, I should feel guilty about behavior that the Bible says is a sin. But they need to be more careful about how they use the word because it's, it's a pretty harsh word to use to describe someone's behavior. You know, uh, sin is fine by me. To me, it's the threat of hell that's uh, that, that, that you know really messes people up, and it messed me up as a kid. Anyway, uh, it's been Mark with you and Bradley and Allie, and we'll talk to you in uh, 21 hours. You can go to Free Talk Live in the meantime, share stories there, uh, vote on peoples, vote them up, vote them down. It's freetalklive.com. 
hey podcast listeners um you know every once in a while i'll pop in and and mention to you that we've got a new advertiser that's uh, of note Roger Schlesinger, the Mortgage Minute guy, um, he's got an ad in here. It's not the greatest sounding ad in the world, but um, I'll tell you, the guy has spent a great deal of money on the radio in the past, and he's trying out Free Talk Live for, I think it's two weeks or one week or something like that. Um, it's a short period of time. And, I, you know, if you have a more, if you're looking to get a refinance a mortgage, he's got some really great rates. I wish you'd just check it out. I'm not saying buy a mortgage from the guy. That's a pretty big decision. But if you'll check him out and see what uh, see what the deal is, that'd be a, you know response would be important. So anyway, thanks. Hi, I'm Roger Schlesinger, the Mortgage Minute guy. I'm mortgage lender throughout all 50 states in this great country of ours. The majority of people in the United States love the 30-year fix. We're the only country that actually has a 30-year fix, and you pay a very big price to get a low monthly payment. If you were to refinance into a $350,000 30-year fix in the low threes, it would take you seven years to pay it down from 350000 to 300000 If instead you refinance into a 15-year fix in the high twos, it would only take you two and a half years to pay it down. And in seven years, you would pay all the way down from 350000 to 200000 You can't afford this kind of treatment. You must get into a better loan, and we'll show you how. Call us at 866-288-0088, 866-288-0088, or go to MortgageMinuteGuy.com. Until next time, I'm Roger Schlesinger, the Mortgage Minute Guy.